the tabletop. Take away game mechanics on display. Three designers share the stage. Pick a genre and we'll play the tabletop. Take away. Welcome back. Uh, I'm Ananda Gunaratna. I'm Charlie McCarran. And I'm Trevor Muller Hegel. And today we're going to be talking about Carcassonne. Um, now, actually, I, I have a I have a little story. Um, so back when I was working an office job, um, my coworkers and I played Carcassonne all the time. So the the way it worked is uh, one guy had um, Carcassonne at his desk, and uh, when it was your turn, you would go over to his desk and you would make your move. And then um, you, there was this little plastic die that you would take to the next player and give it to them so they could make their move. Um, and it was, a, it was a lot of fun. The game works really well asynchronously. Um, so for, the, for those of you who are maybe not familiar with Carcassonne, it's a tile placement game where you draw a tile on your turn. Um, you have to place it on the map so it matches up with other tiles. The, the tiles have different features on them. So there's cities, there's roads, um, there's cloisters, or some people call them churches or uh, chapels, or probably there's a bunch of different names for them. Um, and, uh, and then, of course, there's fields, uh, which are in between all of these features. And you have to match up your tiles so that it matches with the tiles next to it. So like if there's a city going off the side, it has to go into another city. Um, and then you place a meeple on the tile. Um, or followers, uh, I believe is the official terminology in the game. But you're trying to complete these features and score points. Uh, different features score in different ways. Um, there's also farms, which only score at the end of the game. Uh, and um, it's, it's very simple, but uh, I feel like it's actually quite deep um, once you learn a little bit more about how everything works and the distributions of the tiles. Yeah. I had forgotten about Carcassonne for years until you reintroduced it to me. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is the. I probably had only played it before I was a game designer. And after being a game designer and seeing, like, wow, you play one tile on your turn, that's all you do. But there's so much strategy to that. Uh, and just to uh, make sure we say it, uh, this is part of our first chapter of Tile Placement. Uh, this one is Carcassonne, as Ananda said. Uh, and yeah, it's a it's a fascinating little game. It, it has a lot of depth for being so simple. And it, it is an absolute classic. And I, I, I personally think that it's one of the most elegant designs uh, ever. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. Um, so I, I guess uh, what, one... So just to start us off, um, one of the biggest things that has always struck me about Carcassonne is how it gives players the freedom to either cooperate or compete with each other with the same mechanics. Because if you both have the same number of followers on a feature, like, you know, you both have two meeples in a, a city or something, you both get all of the points from that feature. Which is fantastic. I yes. love that mechanic. Yeah, um, because it means that there is actually an incentive in a game with a lot of players to share and to work together to get more points for both of you. Mm -hmm. But 
the the very the same mechanic um, allows you also to try to steal the points from someone else because if you have more meeples than them, you get the points. But um, I, I guess what really helps with this is that it's actually quite difficult to get more meeples into a feature because you have to you, you can never put meeples in a feature that already has meeples in it. So you have to put them in a separate feature and then connect them. Um, and this this barrier uh, to competing uh, on features is what allows for the cooperation because you know that it will be difficult for the other player to backstab you. Mm, absolutely, yeah. Well, and it's, it's really cool because uh, it carries just like how we had in King Domino a very similar feature with the shields in cities, right? And so, like, you could be greatly benefiting someone else as well. And if they are already in the lead, you may actually try to stop them from getting more in the lead, even though you're with them. Because, you know, they start to get further and further ahead of everyone else. Uh, you can kind of paint a target on your back if you're playing with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's got a lot of things going on in it between all the different features, like you're saying, uh, and all the different ways that points are added up. It's not so straightforward as King Domino was, but has a lot more variance and a lot more interesting choices. Mm-hmm. And the just the visuals of the tiles themselves are really nice in that you can tell that these pieces fit together. Um, and the cities are actually like pretty appealing looking once you um, fit a big blob together. I always like that about the game. Oh, yeah, the amorphous concept for the cities. They just yeah. like... It's it's like you're putting a puzzle together. It's it's very aesthetically mm-hmm. appealing. Absolutely. Um, and it gets tougher and tougher to actually complete some of these things. The more you branch out your city, thinking, "Oh, this is going to be great," and that's that risk reward right. idea again. About well, I could make this gigantic city, but if I don't close it off, it's worthless. It's much. unfinished. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, the the game. Um, a, a big part of it is uh, it's it's a game about constraints. Um, we, we we sort of we mentioned a little bit uh, last time about um, the the value of knowing what's in the the deck. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yep. So so to speak, and and that's that's certainly true in in Carcassonne as well. Um, like to give you an example, uh, road tiles almost always with like just one or two, three exceptions in the base game, um, almost always split a field in two, um, and that which is not the case with cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once you understand this fact, you can use that to guarantee or almost guarantee uh, that, for example, you can cut off an opponent's farmer from a city that they're trying to get to mm-hmm. by building a um, three-way road intersection that points towards their field because you know that completing that road will require splitting that field in two, mm. um, unless they draw one of the cloisters that has a road leading off it, in which case they've uh, bypassed your attack. Wow. But That's yes. next level. Yeah, I was going to say. Road building as an attack. <laughs> I, well, I, I think that's... I think that's thieves. I think that that's actually the main uh, purpose of roads because they're not worth very many points. Mm. But there are many situations where you can use a road to make it very difficult for an opponent to do what they want to do just because of how all of the road tiles are consistently set up so that they split fields in half. Sure. 
Well, and I think, uh, just to add in there, you, you don't really have the ability to plan out super far because of the, the tile drawing mechanism, right? Yeah. So you don't have a hand of tiles. You have one tile at a time. Yeah. And you figure out how to best utilize that in the moment. And if it's a road and you have a guy, you know, another player has a large farm that's starting to form, you can help, like, eliminate that a little faster. Yeah. And I, a quick side note, I always thought that was interesting, too, uh, the design choice that you draw the tile on your turn. So you can't even, like, be looking at what tile you might have. Right. I, I think I've read a bunch of people have a house rule where they draw their tile for next turn before. Yeah. It's so like they draw at the end of the turn rather than the beginning. That's that's and, what I did most recently. And that was that was my design instinct is, oh, yeah, give people time to think about it. But I don't know. It it almost creates like this weird tension, tension yeah. that you don't have when you just draw a random tile and oh, what can I do with this? Because like I, you're really hoping, yeah, it's a different feel. Right. I, I think that comes down to the timing of the game too, because you're gonna have that person that isn't really gonna care if they're taking too long, and so they'll just like, okay, well, where's the absolute best place? And they they will hold up the game. And if you're playing with six people, five people, whatever it is, like that that can really drag it on. Mm. So. I suppose it does actually make a practical difference uh, if you can see the tile ahead, because if you're cooperating with somebody else to complete a feature Mm. and you draw the tile that's needed to complete the feature, then I suppose you would be able to coordinate with them a little bit. Yeah, and I suppose in playtesting they probably ran into that maybe where it was like, well, can you say what you have on your tile? Right. Not. Can you show people your tile? Yeah. Well, there's, there's there's no way to... To know, really, except, I, well, I guess to ask. Hey, uh, did you, <laughs> but, uh, when, if you're listening to this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I am curious about that, whether it's just an oversight or whether there's mm. a reason for it. But um, It's such a well-designed game. I'm sure there was a reason, but. Yeah. Well, and with but, so many expansions, too. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my. Uh, well, let's go down that rabbit hole. Should, should I start them now? I'll a little bit. Now. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Let's hear. Let's do it. I mean, uh, yeah, so the, the ex- so Carcassonne, in addition to the base game just being really solid, um, it also has a bunch of expansions, and it's, it's a really expandable idea. The, the expansions add all sorts of things. Like, there's some, you know, some of them add a bit of take that, like the princess and the dragon or the tower. Um, and then other ones add uh, other cool features, like traders and builders add builders, which are really cool. You put them on a feature, and then you get extra turns. Um, and, uh, my, my personal favorite expansion, um, is the Hills and Sheep and specifically the Shepherd part of that expansion, um, which basically adds a push your luck element to the game. Basically you, you put the Shepherd in a field and then whenever you expand that field, you get to draw a sheep from the bag. Um, and, but two of the sheep in the bag are not sheep at all. They're wolves. And if you draw one of those, your whole flock gets eaten. Um, and what, what's really great about this is it, sometimes you'll draw tiles that you don't want to place. Um, but all the tiles have fields. So you can always at least, uh, expand your field a little bit, even if you have nothing better to do. Absolutely. I like the idea that expansions, you can just... If you have a great system, you can just think, okay, what's a fun mechanic that we could just toss into here and somehow it works? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, a lot of games that, you know, Catan being one of them, uh, just to bring back Catan apparently, uh, the, the expansions don't really mesh super well necessarily together or, you know, they, they add an experience, but they don't add together. 
And I think Carcassonne has done that really well, where you can add on expansion after expansion after you're comfortable with it. Yeah. I think there was even a dexterity base. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, wasn't there, like, the catapult? I, I, I don't oh, know yeah. What oh, yeah. Catapults, is, what? I heard, was one of them. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah. Um, it's like... All, all Launch something of, onto the tile and see I, where it lo- which tile it lands on. I, I, I haven't actually looked yeah. into what the catapult does, but um, that's fun. Yeah, it's got just got all sorts of expansions, all sorts of different mechanics. Yeah, but yeah, so having a, a core system that that's that flexible and that simple yet that deep, it's really cool. It's a really unique game for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Nanda, I know you have a lot of thoughts. Uh, any other thoughts before we get into our designer takeaways? Um, well, also, I would like to talk a little bit about the Abbot. Um, so the the Abbot is a piece that I think at one point maybe was a mini expansion, but now it's just bundled together with the base game all the time. And uh, what I really like about the Abbot is, um, I, I sort of mentioned this with the Shepherd already, but there are some times in Carcassonne where you draw a tile and there's just nothing you can do with it. Uh, but the abbot kind of solves that problem because um, the special ability of the abbot is you can score it early instead of placing a meeple. So if you draw, if, if you are using your abbot and you draw a tile that is not useful to you or that you don't want to put a meeple on, um, it you can score your abbot and then it feels like the turn isn't wasted. Um, and I feel like the game is is good about giving you. Given the setup where you're drawing random tiles that may not always be what you want, uh, I feel like the game, especially once you start adding in the expansions, is good about giving you ways to feel like your turn isn't wasted when you draw a bad tile. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, the the actual like um, way the tiles fit together is, is very interesting because you could even build yourself a whole... Uh, that one tile could fit into, but yeah, it's going to be rare to find that exact tile that's going to work. So, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Any, any uh, other thoughts? Uh, sure. So I, my biggest takeaway from this game is that I would love to be able to design a game that has that much flexibility with you know continuing to make more content for it going forward. Because it's such a fascinating, simple game, very, fairly easy to learn. Some people might get confused about the difference between a cloister and a city and all that. But ultimately, it's a very straightforward game. And to be able to just expand on that one idea and just keep it growing in new and fun ways, that that's a really cool concept. And I, I would love to be able to create a similar system for myself just to play in a design space like that and just see what it can do. You know, that just sounds like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, not not just expandable, but expandable with so many different uh, mechanics. Right, yeah. Like, I mean, there are plenty of games where it's just like, okay, we'll release some new cards or something, yeah. but it's basically the same game. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Marvel Champions, you know, living card games, they, they have the same core mechanic, but just expand outward instead of expanding depthward. You're not adding depth to the game, you're adding variety, which variety is good, but yeah, being able to add those new things in to play with is a lot, is really cool. Yeah. I think my designer takeaway uh, that I have tried using in a game that was I I tried making a tile placement game um, where you're like connecting different kingdoms and everyone's working together. And I just played this rulers and rebels. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, So I was trying that and I still like the mechanic 
but that was I realize in hindsight inspired by Carcassonne probably where to me the coolest thing is making building up for a big connection of like a big farm and if you get that one piece you can connect two farms and then you have to check and see who's gonna take over the farm Uh, I love that idea and I still want to make that into something that works in a game (laughs) yeah yeah I think I think for me, I would say that um, my biggest takeaway, I, which, which is to say I have, I have a lot of inspiration from Carcassonne, but the, my biggest takeaway is if you want players to cooperate, you need to add some sort of a barrier for them to defect. Um, because if, if in Carcassonne, if you could just place down meeples willy-nilly every time you put down a tile, even if there were enemies in that feature people would not cooperate. It's it's the fact that there's that barrier to overcome, to defect, um, that allows you to trust others because it's just, uh, it's not trivial for them to backstab you. Well, they can't really withdraw out of an investment into a feature, like you're saying. Like, they, they are in there now. Yeah. And so you're in there together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, th- I think that's a really good principle for creating games where um, cooperation arises organically. Uh, just uh, make sure that there is a barrier to betrayal. Um, that mm-hmm. Just don't make it easy to betray other players. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think one other thing, thinking back to this design I tried with Rulers and Rebels, I was trying to make it work without player colors on the board. Mm-hmm. And I realized that if I just had given in and done the Carcassonne method where you have your player colors on the board... Um, like you were saying, Trevor, the investment is right. there and you can easily see, okay, this is where I'm doing the best. And then so-and-so has been helping me with this the whole time. They are definitely my ally in the situation. Yeah. 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 It's a fun thing. Cool. Well, with that, that ends our chapter on Carcassonne. Um, yeah. Tune in next time. For Galaxy, Galaxy Trucker. Trucker. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tabletop Takeaway. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. So please tell your friends and visit our website at thetabletoptakeaway.com where you can suggest games and mechanics for us to cover next on the show. Mm-hmm.